So good evening. And this is, oh, I can't even remember the number of the podcast tonight. But we're it's talking. Big number. Is a big number. Can you remember it? Is it 30? 30 something. I'm going to go with the podcast number 36 of hoarding stuff or hoarding stuff, depending on how you want to think about it. And tonight we're really excited because we're talking to that hoarder. Yep, that's right. That that hoarder, not this hoarder, not this hoarder, not those hoarders, but them hoarders. There's only one of them. (laughs) I am the one and only. So welcome, oh, no, welcome. Ashley. Ah. <laughs> welcome just to our Rick podcast. Your podcast. She just rickrolled us. <laughs> right then. So welcome yeah. and thank. Thank you very much. Um, so tonight we'd we'd just like you to do most of the talking, please, if you don't mind. Um, so start us off with why did you start? the um, podcasts that you do in your blog why did you start that I was in a position where I had stopped being able to ignore the fact that I had a problem with hoarding I tried to ignore it for a long time I'd misunderstood it for a long time I thought I spent a long time thinking that what I had was an organisational problem and that if I could just organise everything properly it would be fine and it took me a long time to realise that what I had was a volume problem, a kind of quantity problem and that no amount of getting the right shelves would fix it and I would kind of go in and out of denial I think and I got to a point where I realized I had to face it but I felt so much shame about the situation I was in and I felt like I needed an outlet but I also felt like there was nobody I could talk to because I was so ashamed and so I thought about like writing a diary but I knew that I wouldn't keep it up is the kind of thing I do periodically and last three weeks with and so I thought I would just record myself talking about it and so it kind of started as a bit of an audio diary really and I didn't have any expectations of it um I just talked about this thing I couldn't talk about anywhere else under a pseudonym because I feel so much shame about it and because there's so much stigma around it. And then as time went on, people started listening, which surprised me. Um, And people started getting in touch and I kept doing it. And then I invited some guests on and it's kind of become its its own thing. And I'm about to, well, I'm uh, on the day we record, which is Friday the 30th, I'm putting episode 98 out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in two weeks time, I should be on episode 100, which blows my mind, to be honest. 
It's brilliant. It's really good. I think one of the things that, that you can have to do when you get to 100 is to to actually acknowledge how much you've done. Um, this is this is the hippie in me talking now. I'm sorry. I'm I'm really sorry. I'm sorry. It comes out every now and again. Uh, and how proud you should be of the the courage that's taken, right? Because yeah. shame is one of those things that that robs us of courage and guilt. And funnily enough, I've had a lot of parcels delivered today. Don't tell anybody, right? Oh, too late. Oh. I have. And some of them are by Brené Brown. These books that I've I've got, which are about shame and guilt, which I already had, but couldn't find. Um, <laughs> so, so, oh god. Uh, when I get them, when I find the the, the duplicates, they're going right. They're just going. Um, but it is it's fascinating how we don't really talk about shame enough um, mm. because we're ashamed of being ashamed. Um, True. I actually got an expert on shame to come on the podcast she mm. is a philosophy lecturer and her whole kind of life's work is looking into shame mm. and she's a really fascinating woman and it's a subject that does fascinate me in relation to hoarding in particular because mm. it's a real it's really destructive and it's also really counterproductive because it stops people asking for help yep. because they're so ashamed of the situation they're in. And the more the world around us tells us we should be ashamed, the less likely we are to reach out to somebody and say, I'm stuck. I really need a hand. Mm. But it's really hard to break through that. And I think the reason I can be so honest on the podcast is because I'm, I do it, you know, not under my own name. I think mm -hmm. if I was named, there would be things I would hold back. Whereas doing it this way, I can be pretty open, I think. It is, yeah. You know that because, sorry, Dave, um, I was no, talking to a lady no. that I was working with who I've known for quite a long time. She was in my support group and we've sort of done some bits of work when she needs some, some a hand and this time she was putting certain boxes in storage but only for a set amount of time so yep. she can decorate then anyway she um she said she was doing a talk uh she's a nurse and she was doing a talk at a big venue in a big conference and she stood up and talked about and she started off and she said well i didn't have a very healthy childhood and um certain things happened to me and she said do you judge me for that and everybody was like no 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 but of course we don't of course we don't and then she said then I had a really serious car accident when I was 21 and um, lost my partner in that car accident and got brain damage and do you judge me for that everybody's like no no we don't we absolutely don't and she said then later in life I had a lot of physical issues because of the car accident and also I struggled with mental health issues do you judge me for that and they went no of course you know of course we don't of course we don't and she said and then I got a diagnosis of OCD but she said that wasn't a right diagnosis but how are we feeling about that and everybody's like no we're, we're, we're yeah. with you we're with you and then she said but what that diagnosis should have said was I hoard I have hoarding disorder. And she said, there were, and she said, 
you see that pause because she knew it was coming you know I yeah. thought oh genius what a clever way to do that's it that's amazing yeah really well but also she knew that that was going to be the reaction and Mm. I thought. I mean, I I listened to your lady um, talking about shame. She's uh, uh, she's so enthusiastic, isn't she? Yes. Passionate about shame, which yeah. is interesting. But I still don't. In my in my sort of heart of hearts, certain things need to have a sort of evolutionary purpose for us. So once I understood trauma and trauma response, and then how that relates to not being able to let go of something that you've that you've gathered as a as a soothing um exercise yeah that makes sense but still being ashamed doesn't make sense i can't see what the evolutionary purpose of it would be yes it's, and it's neither brene or your professor still nobody really explained it's that to keep really. control of people right um it's to keep them in their place yeah but where I does think. it come from it's still got to sort of it's yeah, I, well, you know, I, I have a couple of it? books, right? I've, as you know, I have many. One was called The Shame Game, and oh, the other right. was called The Shame Machine. Now, unfortunately, um, my decluttering expert has moved them around. <laughs> it's not me, by the way. Just no, so. it's not. So, and she did a good job. There were reasons for doing it. You know, uh, we needed to do something else. I know. The boiler or something like that went, and the um so it would be great if i could find those because i might be able to give you an answer about what the evolutionary thing is on shame yeah, i just i i know there must be one because it yeah. is there yeah, with everybody it isn't it it's one social aspect, control yeah one aspect of it that luna talked about was it if we feel shame it makes us act in certain ways to avoid yeah. feeling shame and if we act in those ways, then we can be part of the group. And so it serves the purpose of keeping us part of the group, well, yeah. which, you know, when we're a baby is essential so that we're fed. And then as an adult, you know, we need that in other ways, don't we? That kind we're of social, social animal. connection. Yeah. Yeah. Not I mean, otherwise it's exile. Yeah. Uh, and we were thrown out of the group and and it, we don't do very well outside the yeah. group uh, unless you're a hermit or you're antisocial. And the people that, that this is going to sound dreadful, but the people that should feel shame you're not. don't <laughs> tend to feel shame. Yeah, I know. Thinking I of know. certain politicians. And some. Straight there, didn't you? Look at that. Easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're, they're very strange people who... They, they can do all sorts of things that we as mere mortals would, would never get away with and wouldn't want to, really. Yeah. I'd hope that my colon would sort of stretch up and strangle me if I did any of that. Nice. I when know, I this, finish, this... thanks, Dave. <laughs> yeah. I, um, oh. oh, yes. It's it's one of the things, one of the things that we try to get people to do as a sort of suggestion like like a game you know a yeah. brain hack we call them is could you imagine doing this task if you could remove the emotions from it so if you could do this just this little bit here just this thing but do it without emotions so sometimes to get people to do it we'll get people to talk about themselves in the third person mm -hmm. they're recounting 
in a very sort of um, an emotional but but journalistic type way of just saying what's what's happening and what needs to happen and um, because that's I think that's the trick if you don't feel emotion why would you worry about that stuff it that's that's what gets in our way isn't it it's all yeah. those emotions that we then react to yeah. um, that then dictate how we're going to you know how able we're going to be to be able to do stuff mm. yeah definitely and I think when we one of the good things about the podcast has been that I think in the past I would have started trying to tackle the problem as I did but then at some point I would have drifted away from that again and gone back a bit more into denial again and the fact mm -hmm. that every Friday I have to have a new episode out so I have to have talked about hoarding something to do with hoarding so I have to have thought about it it keeps me that bit more focused it's on... anchoring you isn't it yeah that this is like an ongoing me. and it's I was saying to um someone this morning I think if I known what a slow progress what a slow process it was going to be at the start I might have been a bit put off because I feel like I've done a lot of work and there's so much that needs doing yeah. but the more I understand how my thinking isn't always rational or how my fear takes over rather than making a kind of clear decision the more I understand all of those processes the more I can like be aware of them and do things like that exercise you described Heather like what would I say to somebody else if they had yeah, yeah. a receipt from 2015 <laughs> would I would I think they should keep it and it's such a kind of on going I'm learning all the time I'm learning mm. daily partly because I have to research things to talk about them on the podcast partly because I get to speak to experts but also because the more I do the more I learn about myself and how I react and what helps and what doesn't help so it's slow but it's all about The, it it's hard for me to not I like to have a process that I know and understand and you do a b c d e and then it's done and this is a real learning curve for me because I'm doing a and a bit of b and then diverting to q and then back via t and it's all over the place but I'm it's trying to kind of asking thing yeah it's I'm trying to embrace that rather than panic and just go, this is what I need to do at this point, or yeah. this is what I need to yeah. learn at this point. And I, I think I think that's it's sort of that you know, the alphabet that you're that you're experiencing is exactly that. You're testing every little bit out to see, well, I think that needs a bit of that, or that needs a little bit more of that. And eventually a pattern will emerge that will work for you. Yeah. But you've got to trust the process. But like you said, because you're doing this every week, yeah. then 
you you're bringing yourself back to that point probably yeah. from slightly different angles as well because you're looking at mm. different absolutely people. yeah but also it's that commitment to yourself that you're making and and also you know which you will know from what you've researched doing this too quickly doesn't really work and if you want it to work to to work for you then mm. rather than for somebody else that might be standing over you getting you to do it for whatever other reason then then it's it's you're absorbing it aren't you you've got time for it to actually sort of make its way in and you're feeling your way through it and yeah you'll find your process at the end and and yeah and that that process will then be when you don't notice it anymore and I think as well I'm the kind of person who I'm quite tight in my comfort zone and I can't burst out of it what I have to do is just like nudge the edges a bit and open it up slightly and then I kind mm. of acclimatize to that. And when I'm comfortable with that, I open it a little bit more. And I think some I think it's a personality thing. Some people do do better if they fling themselves into something. For me, that makes me panic and shut down and mm -hmm. I stop. And so I'm learning that that I do respond so much better to that gradual process where I'm being quite mindful and paying attention. And I hope that doing it this way as well, more slowly, will help progress to stick. Because like I've got to keep yeah. making, I've got to keep improving things. And if I ever get to a point where I feel like my home is in a decent standard, my biggest fear is of backtracking. And I feel like doing it gradually will help me to embed things. And, and there's, it will. There's of, it definitely lots will. Lots of repetition there, you see, yeah. that, that that makes it... It's like wearing a path, isn't it? Um, yeah. Through a, uh, I don't know, I was going to say a desert, or, or, or like a rocky pathway. Yeah. And if you go up and down a bit, you'll wear a... a Furrowing it, I suppose. Well, that's what you know. When we spoke to Sam, Dave, my PhD yeah. student, well, the, it's called Hebb's Law, which is um, you've heard the phrase, you might not remember mm -hmm. the law, but it's no, um, neurons that fire together, wire together, and mm. that's what doing that thing over and over again. It's so really, it's the frequency of you doing it rather than the quantity that you do, certainly to start with. And then you've carved that pathway, which is those, you know, the new neural pathway that's going to get you where you want to go. Um, but doing it occasionally, it's not strong enough to override the already there, yeah. deep entrenched pathway. And so, yeah, it's... Um, is that the same with shame then? If you feel shame over and over again, does it become entrenched? Yes. Well, this yeah, is for I me. So. I yeah. think so. It's just because it's it's a it's a way that you think, and then it yeah. becomes the what you go to. It becomes your yeah. automatic, doesn't it? You skip that. Uh, you, you, you just right there. Default, yeah. It? It's yeah. like it must be my fault. If I wasn't such a bad person, this wouldn't be happening. You know, it's I brought this on myself, you know, and I'm saying this because I've heard people use those phrases. Right. And and so we always say those phrase. In fact, I was just saying it before I had a, a Zoom session before this, and it was those phrases just aren't useful to you. You know, they're not helpful. 
And if they're not helpful, this isn't your new pathway. So you remind yourself. Yeah. Well, that's what I said. Just get. But also to ditch them, you can shout like you can out them and go. And this is the third person, the person talking again. You can go, well, I see that um, David's doing his usual self-denigrating chat, which is completely useless. But what David doesn't realise is he's on a different path now. He doesn't do that. Whatever he's doing, he's, he's choosing to do. Because this guy well, has doesn't realise is that it's comedy gold. <laughs> <laughs> but when you when, when you felt the sense of shame, that hoarder, um, what kind of process was it like? How did you how did it manifest itself? I think it makes me want to shut down and close mm. off and not. not face the world, not be open. I think even though this was the thing I was ashamed of, mm. it kind of spreads a bit and you start feeling like you're generally a shameful person. Mm. Um, even if the other bits of your life are going quite well or you feel fine about it's not it's hard you don't really compartmentalize i'm ashamed of that bit and everything else is perfect mm. i think um yeah it spreads and it just makes you feel like you're a bad person or guilty or embarrassed or lots of that kind of oh you're you're just what if you're just lazy what if there's nothing wrong with you and you're just lazy or what if you know what if this is just whatever and stuff that I would challenge anybody else who said yeah. it but you know when it's yourself it's that bit harder to to step back why do you think it is I think because I live in my own brain the whole time right um and I can be quite convincing when I'm not being kind to myself I think and I think because because it, within that shame, you're not trusting your abilities. And yeah. so even if you go, well, this is ridiculous. The rest of my life, I'm, you know, I'm really good at this and I'm great yeah. at that. And then it will still be that voice because it has that voice that goes, says who? Yeah. You know? And that, yeah. and then that's yeah. it. So, yeah. So this is the third party idea is that you're yeah. not talking to yourself. You're yeah. talking about somebody else and therefore you can be rational and yeah. and, and quite firm. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it is a really, really fascinating topic. And as I said, I, I've ne never met anybody with this issue that, that doesn't have the same thing. That doesn't surprise me at all. And it's, I could tell Dave forever that he shouldn't feel ashamed and that, you know, and any of any listeners to this podcast or my podcast, I firmly believe, so sorry, I firmly believe that, you know, this is essentially an illness and we shouldn't feel ashamed of having an illness. And also that the more you pile that shame on yourself, the less able you are to do anything about it and that it's freeing to try and shake it off. And I can tell people that and I try and embody that, but it's not always 
as easy as it sounds. No, it isn't. And but this is what I said this afternoon. You know, if it was easy, you would have done it. Yeah. it you know, because he, he, he was talking himself. You know, when you sort of talk your own truth, if you know what I mean, and then you go, "That's so obvious." What? And it's and he was like, and he kept saying, "I'm sorry." And I said, "No, this is the whole point of it. When you talk about it, it does get spoken out loud, and then sometimes you can handle it, mirror it back to yourself, and go, yeah, yeah." That's it. That's that's and now I get it. Now that's okay. I might be able to to stay on that road. And that that's and that's why talking about it is really important. It really is and really hard. And as Dave said, you know, everybody knows and appreciates the well the effort and courage that that takes, certainly from a cold standing start, you know, but it is also part of the solution. So yeah, um, sure. What so what what tips and tricks have you found that work for you? I think the thing about trying to be gradual and nudging your comfort zone edges is quite effective. I think in the same way that a kind of similar kind of gentleness mm. with how you talk to yourself, which relates to what we were just saying, it's really easy to throw insults at yourself and to say, look at the state of this. This is mm. awful. You're terrible. You know, this is really bad. But if you can, I find it, I struggle with challenging that on the basis that I don't deserve that. Yep. But what I find more helpful for myself is saying, well, whether I deserve it or not, it's not helpful. So I will try and quieten that down because regardless of whether it's merited or not, the fact is that the more I tell myself that I'm terrible, the less will I have to get out of bed and do anything about my surroundings. And mm. If you convinced you're a horrible person, you don't even deserve nice surroundings. So why would you put the effort in and all of that? So if you're struggling with that kind of being really cruel to yourself, if you can't quite switch that off on the grounds of just you're a human who doesn't deserve that, try and just think more practically whether I deserve it or not. Is it helping me? And it's really not. It's really not. And so removing that judgment, I had a guest on called Casey Davis who wrote a brilliant book that I would recommend to everybody called How to Keep House While Drowning. And, yeah, it is all about... Um, Casey is not a hoarder um, but does have ADHD, and we're struggling with a lot of what she calls care tasks, which includes things around the house and looking after yourself. And I think for her, a big one was laundry. And her book is kind of half. It, a lot of it is about telling you to take it easier on yourself, remove that layer of judgment. She really focuses on laundry is not a moral issue 
cleanliness is not a moral issue you know recycling is not a moral issue and also on this stuff about it doesn't help you to batter yourself of course nobody comes out of that feeling great and motivated and that whole approach of being quite gentle and consistent and also working out your own systems. I've always struggled with, because I'm sure you have as well, Dave, I've read so many like how to organise your home books and I really struggle with the ones that are very prescriptive. On a Monday yeah. morning you yeah. do this. Because yeah. That, yeah. Um, whereas How to Keep Household Drowning is a lot more about working out what works for you Mm. whether or not somebody else would approve of that approach whether or not somebody else would even understand it if that's what works for you that's the most important thing and Mm. I try to apply that kind of thinking as well I I'm trying really hard to something that helped dramatically I had some CBT cognitive Um, behavioral therapy and I was not expecting it to help I'm going to be honest I went into Mm. it thinking this is a waste of everybody's time but you know but it was genuinely helpful and one of the big things I took away from it was the therapist would give me tasks to do like between sessions we would agree them she wouldn't like impose them um but I would immediately go into, I, I can't, what if I can't? What if it goes wrong? What if, no. and panic. But the way she framed it was that it wasn't homework. It wasn't anything like that. It was an experiment. Um, you're just going to see what happens when you try to get one bag out a day, for instance, whatever your goal is. And when it was framed that way, it immediately took the power away from it for me. It wasn't something I could fail because you don't fail experiments. You just see and assess. See what the results are. Yeah. Yeah. Using your curiosity. Exactly. It's the same. Yeah. Fully the same principle. And so I could go into it not thinking what if I can't but instead well if I can't then that means the experiment isn't quite right so we might need to rethink it a bit and it took the blame off me and made it something to be curious about rather than something to be intimidated by and I Mm -hmm. still it's a couple of years since I had the CBT and I use that daily when I look at a task and go, I can't, I go, okay, no, let's see. Let's see what happens if, is the phrase I use a lot. Let's see what happens if, because I really, and it makes me examine what I'm actually scared of. Um, There was a cupboard I wouldn't clear for ages and I eventually worked out that it was because it had been abandoned for so long I was convinced it would be full of spiders and that was what I was scared oh, wow. of right okay yeah and once I worked it? that 
no it wasn't <laughs> once I'd worked that out I was like okay that's quite interesting let's look at what I can do about that so I kind of came up with a whole plan that I would like open it and run to the far end of the room and then look <laughs> from a distance and um and it was fine but before it was an experiment that I was curious about it was just oh that's something I can't do and I had no more kind of exploring of it. So that's been genuinely changed. You know, it's shifted a lot of my thinking, just that one idea. That's fascinating. I like the idea of spiders evolving in your cupboard <laughs> and you've gone there and there's this massive spider with glasses on reading the newspaper going, yes, can I help you? This is my cupboard now. Thank you. Do you know, I did get to one corner of my kitchen recently that had not been explored for some time and I discovered that while I thought I lived in a house with a few spiders they had colonized that corner and I discovered that this is the spider's house oh. <laughs> and I just visit yeah. <laughs> they've clearly, they, they own that bit of the kitchen for they the should, time they being pay rent, then. <laughs> they pay rent the victim yeah. What I'm trying to what I'm trying to do is just go, oh hi, Bob. Or I just give them a name and yeah. they're not quite as scary then because it's Bob, it's not a monster. <laughs> so Julie lives in the porch, all of this. Still working working out a spider strategy, but it's helping me live with the knowledge that that corner of the kitchen has its own body ecosystem it's own ecosystem you'll have to yeah. write a little children's book about them dave oh no no because jane hates spiders and i have to i know that it doesn't help putting them out because they die right they're house spiders nothing's going to save them i'm afraid even though i try and fool myself into thinking they're going off and they're living fantastic lives in the hedge no they're not I know. I know. i've killed them i'm sorry but you haven't actually killed them and you've just given them another option of right. living somewhere it's, else. It's, they might it's just move into slaughter. They might it's move into the house next door. No, they might have gone to the house next door. You don't know where they might like. The dog them. I've got them then. <laughs> My the dog I've got at the moment, she doesn't she doesn't I've had dogs that eat spiders, but not Ew. I quite like spiders, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm lucky, I suppose. <laughs> I thought having them around would be great because Jane's 70 now, right? Is she? Swallows a spy, uh, she's, no, swallows a fly, then I can immediately give her a spider to... Get, never it works, apparently. Good. It's in the rhyme. It's in the rhyme. It's historical. It's yep. fact. She's going to so, kill me for mentioning them now. Well, well, we'll bring our podcast to a close in a minute. Um, All right. But... There were a couple of other things that we wanted to talk to you about. And one of the things that you were talking to me about was that you feel that people who hoard deserve more mm. than you feel they give themselves. So what would what would that what would you say, you know, uh, as words of start off encouragement? Perhaps if somebody's listening to the podcast who's not really plucked up enough courage to make a start, what what might be your suggestion? I would say start by giving yourself a break in terms of 
any kind of self-recrimination, you've probably been saying that to yourself for years and it's not got you anywhere. So try and give yourself a bit of grace and don't overthink where to start. I get questions from listeners all the time. Where do I start? Where do I start? Mm. And the conclusion I've come to is that it all has to be done. So literally whatever's in front of you now or the bit that's annoying you the most or if you're in a situation where you know you might be evicted or something, the bit that's annoying your landlords the most. But it doesn't have to be a grand plan because it all has to be done. So anything is better than nothing. Oh, that's great. That's good advice. And it is true because a lot of, but I think it can be another procrastination as well, can't it? It's 100%. like, well, I start? well, I don't know where to start, so I won't start yeah. today. Completely. I'll tomorrow when I'll have some inspiration about where to start. And yes. so it's it's also understanding the things that um that are tripping you up. You know, um, we we did um we were talking on the support group about about how do you know what is a fight or flight reaction? How do you know if you've just flipped into fight or flight, you know, where and um so people were coming up with suggestions like well, obviously feeling angry, being irritated. Mm all those things. And then somebody else said, going out all the time. And another person said, finding reasons to be needed. And she was, what she was talking about was she said, well, my daughter always needs a babysitter and she always needs Um, some help in her house. And so she said, I'll always do that first. And she said, I didn't realize that that might be. Yeah you know, that might be a sort of fight or flight type trigger where you go, oh, I'm just about to, I've got a free day today. Maybe I'll, and then it's like, no, but my daughter really needs me much more than I need to do this. And so then off they go. I've got a free day today. I'll have to deal with my tummy lint because it's been been building up for some time now. That's more important than this hoarding stuff, isn't it? I mean, it's a... Well, that is hoarding though, isn't it, Dave? Holding the lint. Depends how much you've got. Oh, <laughs> I've disgusted myself now. Oh, you started really? it. You started the, the, it. The funny thing is, I think, and I might have mentioned this before because we've done thirty of these. Thirty-six, you said, didn't you? I must have mentioned time in the past because I think there's a difference in the approach to time that people have, and I think, and I might be wrong, there's a lot of people that have hoarding tendencies also have a problem with them registering time um that would not surprise me at all it's certainly something i my issue with time is i don't know how long something's going to take i can't look at a task and have any kind of accuracy in predicting how long it will take yeah and we we also live in 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 a society where we expect everything to be done rapidly right we expect it to instant results whereas i I can't remember who somebody had written a book about um you medieval folk who were obviously living by they weren't living by the clock right they were living by the sun and when it was dark and stuff but they would also build cathedrals right that's not going to be done in a in the lifetime yeah (laughs) pop-up cathedral wow look it's fallen over 
That's because you did it in a week. I wonder why. (laughs) Right then. Well, thank you for um, talking to us today, Matt Horder. Thank Um, you for um, having me. No, it's been delightful. And honestly, these things, the reason why I've said let's keep an eye on the time is because uh, honestly, uh, I I don't know about you, but I could talk about this for hours. could you tell us about your 98 episodes and where they can be heard? Is that order? Yes, please. absolutely. So my website where all the episodes are is at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a podcast listener, which obviously you are because you're hearing this, um, just search for Overcome Compulsive Hoarding with that hoarder in pretty much any podcast app should do it. 98 one of one of which was featured heather so yes. yeah so carve some time out right definitely uh, tri- use it as a treat when you've done a bit of hoarding you can listen to that hoarder do you know some people no, tell hoarding. me that they they're in decluttering what might about some, pe- <laughs> some people tell me that they say they won't let themselves listen unless they are doing de-hoarding tasks Brilliant. So they're like, I really want to listen. So they make themselves do it to allow themselves to listen. That, yeah, whatever really, works. It's a great motivator because yeah. that yeah. distracting the brain with something yes. interesting and pleasant yeah. will make that task easier. Yeah. Um, Whereas is, with yeah. us, they, they kind of go, yeah. oh, I could listen to the, the, the podcast with Dave and Heather, but I think I'd prefer to do some decluttering instead. <laughs> it's the reverse with us whatever you whatever floats your boat eh whatever floats <laughs> your boat but just before we leave then um what would be your message of hope then to people um what would be your sort of your strap line i think that we give ourselves a hard time much harder than is deserved And I can say this about you and not so much about myself, but I'm getting there. I think the message is this is not impossible to get past. It might be really hard to get past, but there is a path through it. It's just a tricky one, but it's there. Thank you. And I've also been inspired. (laughs) I've been inspired to write a poem. Oh, good. About the shame fungus. Oh, yes, that would be good. Oh, well, let's, yeah. Let me know when you've written that. Doing that. uh, That hoarder could write it for me. I'm not a poet, I'm afraid. Oh. You'll have to write it, Dave. Sorry. More work. You'll have to write it and then you'll have to perform it on the next podcast. Oh. oh. (laughs) What is the next podcast, anyway? The next podcast is, yeah, it's with Kaylee Hyman, who actually, um, so Kaylee is, runs something called Holistic Hoarding. Uh, She does a lot of work, very similar to the work I do, but in Wales, in Cardiff. But she's just won an award for um, women in housing. She's Mm. won like one of the top awards for women in housing, which... I spoke to her the other night. She never told me that, but somebody else told me. So, um, but 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 Katie does training, trauma informed hoarding awareness training, and she's doing some training for us as well. 
So Amazing. that's who we're talking to in a couple of weeks' time, Dave. So right, okay. I think, I think yep. your poem, if it's ready for then, I think we'll kick it off. No stressor, no pressure. No pressure. Really? Oh. Good heavens. But if you can't write the poem, be curious about why you can't write it. Oh. <laughs> but don't. I'll have to just get a spray for the, <laughs> the shame fungus. <laughs> I think it's sounds... Just make sure there's none with the spiders. The, I can visualise the shame fungus already. I can almost hear oh. it creeping yeah, and growing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right then, thank yeah. you right, both yeah. very much. And thank you. Best of evening. Thank you. And don't forget to listen to that Hoarder 98 episodes. It's brilliant. Proper podcasting, apparently. There you go.